Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast. All coaches should check out the recent BAFA and BAFCA publications on the return to practice guidelines. Also check out the BAFCA roundtable discussion on this as it contains a lot of great information and advice. Today's guest is Coach Clinton McMillan who will be discussing third down defence. So let's listen into what Coach McMillan has to say. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. I'm delighted to be joined today by the Senior Analyst of the Florida State University Seminoles, Coach Clinton McMillan. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Glad to get to uh, talk a little, bef- uh, little bit of football and sort of feel normal again, so I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for taking time. And I mean, we've had some back and forth. So I know how busy you are, so for you to take an hour out of your day to talk to the British community. That's, uh, that's really great. So let's dive straight into it. Um, first question I always ask is about who you are and in case pe- uh, the listeners don't know who you are. Um, a bit about your background, how you got into football and how you progressed to getting a job at the Florida State Seminoles. Um, well, I mean, I've always sort of, I, I sort of love football forever. So I, I mean, I started playing when I was young, which is sort of just the normal over here. Um, stateside. My father's actually from England. He was born in Workington. Um, so, you know, he was more into soccer and boxing, but I would just fell in love with football. Um, so always played, played through high school, um, actually played at the University of Florida, um, played there. And then once I transitioned, I knew I always wanted to coach. And I think part of that was just uh, knowing the effect that, that football can have on people's lives and the, the chance to go to college Um, was always something that I wanted to be able to get to other people because I was the first person in my family to really go that college route. So I wouldn't have been able to do it without athletics um, and football specifically. So that's sort of what drew me into coaching was just, obviously you love the game, but the opportunity it gives to young people. Um, So I did high school coaching for a while at Sanford Seminole, Winter Park, actually won a state championship, um, but knew I wanted to do more. So then actually was lucky enough, I got to graduate, be a graduate assistant at the University of, um, at Marshall University uh, for the defensive staff that I played for. So Coach Holiday, Coach Heater, um, I got to go work for them at Marshall and I was a graduate assistant working with the linebackers. Uh, once I finished there, we won a conference championship in 2014. Once I finished there, I actually got a defensive backs and defensive coordinator job at Ohio Dominican, which is a division two school in, uh, Columbus, Ohio. I was only there for probably about a month before I actually transitioned to the defensive line coach at Tennessee Martin, um, which I know you guys had uh, Oz on here. He actually replaced me up at Martin as the D-line coach. Um, Was there for three years, had a lot of success. Um, We were the top defense in the league for three years, and then in 2017, one of the top defenses in the country. And then was fortunate enough, the guy that I actually GA'd for at Marshall, got the defensive coordinator job at Florida State and brought me on here as a senior analyst. So it's kind of been a, uh, that's sort of a fast synopsis, um, but really sort of what got me into football and what kept me in it is just the effect it has on young people's lives. 
Fantastic. And uh, you, you name dropped uh, a couple of coaches now and you're, you're with Coach Norval, um, Florida State. Is there something that you've learned from each of those into that shaped you as a coach? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you take something from everybody that you work for. Um, you know, like I said, when I, when I played, I played for Coach Meyer, who I think is one of the, the great football coaches ever. Um, you know, I've shaped a lot of my beliefs off of him as far as just the organization, um, you know, the amount of work you put in, just the intensity that you coach with. Coach Holiday was obviously from his tree, uh, and it was just sort of a different way to do it. And, um, you know, to be able to win a championship under both of those guys as a player and then as a coach, um, you know, you, you take things from all those guys. And then obviously my shortest day has been with Coach Norvell, um, but I mean, he, he's a, an unbelievable uh, just person. I mean, take out the coach part of it. Just an unbelievable man, um, unbelievably organized, motivated. I mean, he he works like he's a, a minimum wage worker. I mean, he is unbelievable. Um, just the amount of structure and what he expects of you. And I mean, I feel bad not working with the amount that he works. So if I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm letting him down. So, um, you know, I think you, you take things from every guy that you've worked for um just in general so I mean I, I've sort of tried to take a little bit from everyone that I've worked for um and and I'm going to continue to do that here at Florida State with Coach Norvell and trust me there's there's a lot there that I'm going to uh I mean I, I take notes every day I, I, I my storage on my computer is almost full because I every day you just learn something new <laughs> that's that's great and uh what I'm really interested to know and this is this is something we don't really have over in the UK um in the same way that you guys do in, the, in America, but your role at Florida State is a senior analyst. And I'd be interested to know what the difference is for those listeners that don't know between being an assisting positional coach to being an analyst, to being a quality control and then uh, a graduate assistant. Um, well, and I'll, I'll just sort of keep it specific to college because um, th those roles exist in a lot of different leagues. I mean, professional football, um, also over here in the NFL, but I'll keep it in college. So I'll sort of start from the, the ground up, um, you know, which is a graduate assistant. So what that means is you are actually still taking classes and you're trying to get your master's. So I actually got my master's from Marshall. Um, so during that time, you are a football coach, um, you know, and I was very, very fortunate. I mean, Coach Holiday and, and Coach Heater, who was the defensive coordinator and Coach Fuller, who's the defensive coordinator now, um, that I worked for, I mean, they, they really let me coach because you hear horror stories with some of these guys that are graduate assistants where, you know, they had to go pick up people's laundry and, you know, walk dogs and you, you're doing a lot of non-football things. So I, um, I was very fortunate to be able to coach there. Uh, the biggest sacrifice you're going to make is financially because you, you make zero money. I mean, it's, you know, we always sort of joked all the GAs live together. And if you put all of our money together, we were still, you know, under the poverty line. Um, so, you know, that's probably the biggest difference just financially, but the things that you are able to do, um, you know, you can be on the field, you can coach, uh, you do not get to go out on the road recruiting. So that's another difference as a graduate assistant, then sort of moving up to the assistant coach is now obviously the pay is different, which is, which is great. Um, but you are now, you have a recruiting area, um, you know, instead of assisting like a graduate assistant would, you now have that position group. So, you know, you're sort of in charge of that group um, that you're coaching, whether it's a defensive line, linebackers, quarterbacks, you know, you're responsible for that position and you sort of use that graduate assistant to help you. 
um, sort of, and the, the next role is these analysts and quality controls. Um, what that is, is you are still heavily involved in the football aspect of things, but you are not a countable coach on the field. So for recruiting and things like that. So that's probably the biggest difference. And everyone has different paths to where you need to get. So I've been a graduate assistant. I've been off the field right now as an analyst. I've been an assistant coach at Martin and, and Ohio Dominican. Um, you know, so I think it's just a lot of it is red tape as far as what the differences are. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're all professionals. You know, I mean, everyone over um, in the UK, like if you're getting paid to coach, you're a professional coach. Um, you know, so I think it's just the, the differences and the sacrifices you make to do those things. But those are probably the biggest differences is just the things that you are and aren't allowed to do with your players. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's dive into our topic for the podcast, which is third down defense. And so you, you're primarily a defensive coach. Let's start high level. Why is third down defense so important? Well, just specifically to defense, I mean, it, it's a critical down. And the way I sort of look at it is this, is there's really only two ways to get the offense off the field. Um, one of those is just physically take the ball away, right, with an interception, a, a strip, um, getting a fumble, sort of taking the ball away. The other is third down stops. So if you want to get the ball back to your offense and take it away from their offense, um, third down's how you do that, you know, over half the time because you're probably not going to get the amount of opportunities to take the ball away that you do as third downs. I mean, you just look at the average in college football. I mean, somewhere between 13 and 18 third downs. That's what you'll get throughout a game. Um, and to be great on defense, to be elite, you need to win about 70% of those. So it's an extremely critical down because it gets your team the football back. You know, so that, that's an extremely critical down. And if you fail on those downs, it lets the other team have the ball, which means they have a chance to score. So you know, if they don't have the ball, they can't score. So third down's a, a critical way to make sure that they don't have the football and don't have an opportunity to score points. Sure. And putting your defensive coordinator hat on for a moment, is there anything that you do in terms of getting your defensive players in the right mindset for third downs and how they, how they treat third downs? And if so, how do you implement this on a, a daily basis in, in the meetings and the practice field? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's just as, as you talk about it and as it's as critical to me, it has to be emphasized that way to your players, um, you know, and you want to emphasize winning third down. But, you know, on the flip side, you need to make an emphasis that you cannot afford to lose third down. So what that means is, you know, if it's third and three, you can't afford to have a five yard penalty. You can't jump off sides. You know, if it's third and 19, don't get a cheap pass interference. Um, you know, it's hard enough to win third downs. What you cannot do is lose third downs as a defense. So, um, you know, you have to just drill into your team, the critical situations and the difference between an error and a critical error. I think that is something that you have to emphasize on third down and certain things are going to happen. You know, if, if a quarterback makes a great throw and a receiver makes a great catch, you know, you tip your hat and you try to get to the next third down, but you cannot give an offense free plays. You know, if it's third and, third and uh, three, and you have a defensive back that's 10 yards off of a route, you know, those, those are critical errors. Um, so you have to install that in your team. Um, and you have to let your kids know, I mean, third down, absolutely. Is it important as a defensive coordinator to make calls and do those things? Absolutely. But this is a player-driven game. So third down is a series of one-on-ones, right? Everybody's one-on-one. -on -one. They have 11 players. We have 11 players. Somebody has to win a one-on-one -on -one 
to win third down, whether it's a defensive lineman beating a, beating a guard or a tackle, whether it's a corner being able to jump a route, um, you know, someone is going to have to win a one-on-one, right? You're going to be one-on-one in space making a tackle, and they're going to have to get three yards, and you're going to have to keep them for less than that. So emphasizing how critical that, you know, calls are great, but this is all about players. You have to win your one-on-ones in those situations. Um, so I think those are sort of the things that you need to drill into your football team. Um, and that happens every day, whether it's in meetings, if you have a situational period of third down, um, all those things are things that you really need to hammer home with your, uh, with your team. Sure. And you mentioned the errors to critical errors, differences. Have, do you or on any of the teams that you've been a part of, do you chart that in any way and relay that back to them post-practice yeah, or post-games? Um, yeah, and specifically just places I've been, you always do some sort of production. Um, and you're obviously going to chart the good plays, you know, tackles and sacks and interceptions. Um, the other thing is you're going to chart negative plays. So if you missed a tackle, critical errors is one of those things. So, you know, it might be a play where the ball's not even snapped. You jump off sides on third and four. That is a critical error. You know, if you get a pass interference on third and 15, you know, on a five-yard route, that is a critical error. If you jump a route, a short route, on, you know, if you're, a, if you're a flat defender and there's a route in front of you and a route behind you and you jump the short route, that is a critical error. So, you know, you chart those things and you try to make sure that the first time that happens to your players is not in a game. You know, you need to give them those situations in practice. Sure, fantastic. And so you talked about being a defensive line coach. Third down is often attributed to be a passing down, especially in long distance situations. How important is defensive line play in third down situations? Um, I mean, I think it's extremely critical. Um, I mean, you almost say it's everything. It's, it's every single thing. Because if you are able to get home with a three down front, a four down front, and be able to keep more people in coverage, that changes the way you call defense, right? That changes the way offenses now have to deal with you. Um, you know, so that is – that is extremely critical just from a, if you can win one-on-ones, if you have a dominant pass rusher, you know, at Florida State, we have, we have an unbelievable player called Marvin Wilson. Well, he is, he's a factor. So the fact that he can win one-on-ones, that now speeds up the clock and it changes the coverages you can, you can call, right? It makes you feel more comfortable understanding that if you can get home and you can beat an offensive line with three or four guys, that changes what you can call versus, all right, we are not getting home. Now you have to blitz more people to get pressure. Well, if you do that, you have less people in coverage. Um, you know, so how good your defensive line is, is extremely critical because you could have the four best DBs back there in the world, but if they have to cover for seven seconds, that, that's a tall order for anybody. So um, your defensive line to me is extremely critical when you get to how you play a third down situation. Sure. And just to expand on that a little bit, are there any – specific techniques that you're giving those defensive linemen to help with the pass rush. We're talking pass rush now, but are there any favorable techniques that you'd like to lean on more than others? Um, I mean, I think you just drill into them, you know, what is, is it third and one or is it third and 10, you know, being able to change your stance, being able to change your techniques um, as far as making sure that you understand, okay, now I'm not throwing my hands at an offensive lineman. Now I'm leading with my feet. Um, you know, where you are running and trying to gain ground and race to that quarterback. And now maybe instead of keying the person that you're lined up on, your man on key, 
Now you are king the football, right? So now you're in a dead sprint. And the only thing that matters is that ball getting snapped because that's what's going to get you to the quarterback. So, um, I mean, I think that for sure your key work is so critical as far as, all right, it's third and one now. Are they going to run the ball? If it's third and 10, hey, you know, they're, they're going to throw the ball here. So it can change where your eyes are, um, your stance, your alignment, the ability. If it's if they're throwing the ball, you want to get a little bit wider so you can put those offensive tackles in space. Sure. And that's a nice segue to my next question, which was, as a defensive coordinator, obviously you're going to be faced with various different types of down and distances. Uh, and on third downs, it might be, as you alluded to earlier, third and short, under five yards, under three yards, to third and extremely long if you're fortunate to be in that position. As a coordinator, how does your, how do you change your play calling to suit those different scenarios? Um, I mean, I think a lot of that is understanding also who the coordinator is, who the offensive coordinator is. You know, what is the identity of the team you're playing? Um, you know, and personnel-wise, can they protect third and long situations? So if it's third and 10 and they're not very good up front, maybe you get more screens and draws. Um, you know, if it's third and short and their head coach was an ex-quarterback, um, you know, and they want to throw the ball, maybe you expect more throw game on third and short. Um, you know, if they have an unbelievable player, are they going to force him the ball? So um, just defensively, to me, I'm always thinking about the players not the plays, because if you have your best player on offense and you're not trying to get him the ball in a critical situation, that's great for a defense. So understanding, you know, not only the situation and the, the X's and O's of the thing, but all right, where's Jimmy and Joe at? You know, you got to cover Billy. Where's the guy that you have to cover? Um, so I think those are extremely critical situations when you talk about knowing how to call defense on third down um, and understanding who you're calling defense against. You know, what is the identity of the OC, the head coach, and the football team? Sure. And again, that leads nicely to the next question, which was about scout films. So, I mean, it's a good presumption that scout films is extremely important. Um, what sort of things, are you, if you're scouting for a team this weekend and you're perhaps specifically looking at third down defense, what are some of the things you might be looking out for as a coach to prepare effectively? Um, I think it's important to look at third down because as, as critical as we talk about third down on defense, offenses talk about it the same way too because they need the ball to score. So um, a lot of times offenses are going to go to their bread and butter, right? They're going to go to their favorite plays, their favorite people on third down. So maybe first and second down, they may have a tendency and they sort of spread the ball around. But on third down, they're going to go to their best player or third down, they're going to they're going to throw the route that the quarterback likes best, you know, that they can protect. So, um, again, I, th I think you just – you cannot take the human element out of the game of football because if it was just about which play was better, I mean, the offense always has to pen last. So, technically, offense should always win because they can always have a counter move to what you're doing. So, you have to make sure that you understand the people that you're going against you know, are they are they dominant up front? Do they feel like they can they can pick up your four down rush or three down rush and they're going to bleed you out? Is the quarterback a scrambler? Can he run or is he stationary? You know, if it's third and eight, are they comfortable handing off the ball and just saying, hey, we're going to punt? You know, so the things you look at is 
Um, you know, how do they attack third down if they're backed up, if they're deep in, you know, they're coming out of their own end zone? Uh, do they do it versus if they're at the plus 45? So all things that, you know, you have to decide as a, as a staff, as a defensive staff, and as a football team, um, you know, what is important to you when you're breaking those things down? The other thing that I think uh, defensive coaches should do is talk to your offense and see what your own team would do against you on third down. Because I think that's one of the, the greatest resources that coaches don't use is the people in your own building. You know, hey, what weaknesses do you see that we should fix? Um, you know, what do you guys, who would you guys attack if you were playing us? And then ask them, hey, so if we do this, is this a pain in the neck for you guys? Would this give you issues? Um, those are things that I think when you're planning into third down, there's not one specific thing, but leave no stone unturned because there's nothing more demoralizing as a coach than you did not have your players prepared. You know, like I said, if, if, it, if their player is better than you and you have your guy fully prepared, hats off. But if you missed a tendency, if – you know, there was a game or maybe a clip that you skipped over just because you, you know, you felt like you'd watched enough tape. I think those things are critical just as far as make sure that you understand what they did against the team last year. You know, study the offensive coordinator. Where was he at before this year? You know, you, he may be running the same plays that he's run the last decade, but this could be his first year at this job. You know, so I just think have no limit on the resources that you are willing to dive into and especially the people in your own building for sure. Sure. And to expand on that ever so slightly, obviously the distance that you need for the third down plays a lot into it. If it's a long, long distance or short distance, but in terms of areas of the field um, and also the time, in, uh, what part of the game it is, you know, is it, late in the second quarter, is it early in the game, et cetera. Do any of those things influence you in terms of whether you're going to call an aggressive, heavy rush play or something that's a bit more bend, don't break sort of mentality? Do you feel, does field position or uh, what time of the game it is play an impact on that? Um, yeah, so the way I look at every situation, and, and I cannot emphasize enough how important this is, you need to do this in practice. So I call it STS. So what that means is score, time, and situation. So those are all critical factors, right? The score of the game, how much time is left. Are you, uh, are they moving the ball at will, right? Have they struggled? Um, you know, is their quarterback playing well? Is what's the weather? You know, is it snowing? Is it raining? Is it windy? Um, understanding all those situations. And obviously the down and distance, that's the easy one, right? If it's third and 10, they're probably going to throw. If it's third and one, they're probably going to run. Okay, well, understanding the situation, do they trust their quarterback? You know, is he a guy that's – do they have an All-American tailback and it's third and six and they think they can just get him the ball? You know, are they unbelievable up front and they're going to give that quarterback time? Can the quarterback scramble? You know, are you up two scores and now they have to be aggressive to get a first down? Are they up nine points and now on third and 10, they're fine just handing the ball off and punting. Um, so, you know, I, I think that is a, that's a great way to look at it. And like I said, STS score time and situation um, are unbelievable things that you can't just worry about on game days. You know, you have to talk about those things in practice, you know, guess what? What if it's sunny all week at practice, but you know, it's going to rain on Saturday. 
So you have to be prepared that maybe your play calling, your, your defense, the way you blitz, um, maybe you don't feel as good in man coverage if the ground's frozen, right, and it's snowing. Um, those are things that I think you need to make sure that you cover every single day um, because you can the, – the one thing that you can never simulate in practice that you need to take advantage of is weather. You know, like you can't make it snow. You can't make it muddy outside. So when you have those chances to be in those elements where a lot of people may look at it as that's a negative, you know, I look at it, that's, that's great. If you get a chance to practice in the rain, maybe it, it might, you might not play a game in the rain for another six weeks, but you've done it now. Um, you know, to, to be able to throw a football in the snow, to be able to make a tackle, um, you know, when the ground's a little bit slick. I think those are things that you absolutely need to try and take advantage of to help your team on, you know, game days, but try and get that done in practice. Absolutely. And I think just from a UK perspective, I think it's more rare to, to train in the sun than it is to train in the wind and the rain and the snow. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have that Florida weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so just, again, with your defensive coordinator, I mean, we've just talked about different situations, different um, down and distance and things like that. If there was one scheme or play that you would just hang your hat on, it just makes you excited every time you call it. Is there one in particular that you can think of? Um, I wouldn't say that there's one, but I mean, one thing I will say on third downs, I think it's good to go um, to extremes. So what I mean by that is maybe the first third and long, like, so let's say you have three third and longs in a game, right? That's third and maybe plus eight yards. So you got a third and eight, a third and 12, and a third and nine, whatever those are. I think it's important to not do the same thing over and over again. So maybe the first third and down, uh, third and long, maybe you pressure them, right? You bring a six-man pressure, you play zero coverage, and you, you now have shown that, okay, where maybe now the next one, you show a version of a blitz, but you're really dropping eight into coverage or, you know, you're playing a, a seven-man coverage and you're just rushing four. Well, now when that next third down comes up, the offense has to make a decision like, okay, they've done both. They've come after us. They've dropped into coverage. You know, now you put that indecision into the offense because just me personally, as if I'm calling defense, with all due respect to offensive guys, you will not dictate what I'm doing on defense, right? Based on your formations, um, you know, any motions and things like that. If I want to blitz you, we're going to blitz. If I want to play coverage, we're going to play coverage. You know, you will not get us out of what we want to do on defense. Um, and you see that where a lot of people sort of live in checks, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, a lot of people, they, they win a lot of games playing like that. I just feel I don't want an offense to be able to take me out of what I want to do. So um, maybe more of a mindset uh, answer to your question is what I want to hang my hat on is what I want to call, we're going to call. Um, more so than, oh, well, I think they're going to do this. Let me call this. You know, if, if you feel like you need to pressure a quarterback or he's not great when pressure's coming after him or maybe he's not great with a bunch of people in coverage, I think you have to pick your matchups that you feel are critical and attack those people more so than, uh, than a call. Um, you know, can you take advantage of the offensive line? Can you take advantage of the quarterback? You know, if they're best receiver, if they're really good, maybe you put two people on their best receiver. You know, so I, I think maybe the one thing I would hang my hat on is make sure you're attacking the people, not just, um, you know, thinking of play calls. Absolutely. 
Um, so let's let's take it one step further then. So let's say the defense has been successful on third down. We're now transitioning into fourth down and a, a pump return situation or a pump block situation. Thinking about the teams that you've been a part of as a coach, and it might be different for different teams. What are some of the philosophies that you have during this pump return, pump block phase? And do teams tend to just keep their base defence out there and maybe just bring the return man on? Or do you bring on specific personnel purely for, for that um, pump return unit? I mean, what sort of experience do you have with that? Um, so, I mean, I'll just speak to specifically on what I've coached. So I was very fortunate. So I was at Tennessee Martin from 17, 18, 19. Um, and I have what is, in my opinion, the best punt returner that I've ever seen in person. Um, his name was Terry Williams. So I think when you're designing a punt block, punt return unit, um, the number one thing you need to find is you need to find a returner that you like, that you would trust to give the keys to your house. Um, you know, who would you, who is the guy that you absolutely trust and Hey man, here's the keys to my house. I know you're not going to do anything wrong. Someone that's going to make unbelievably great decisions for your football team. And then that person needs to be fearless, right? Cause it is not easy to watch a ball hang up in the air, 65 yards, and there's 10 people running at you full speed. Um, you know, so I think a lot of what you decide to do is based on who that guy is now because we had one of the great returners in college football last year at any level um we became more of a return team uh the other thing the second thing that i think you need to make is you need to have those 10 guys that are blocking for him understand this is an offensive play that is designed to score so mentality wise this is not just a break right this is not a rest this is a play that you are going out there to score points change field position and help us win a football game. Um, and like I said, the, the unit that I was blessed enough to coach, I had 10 mean motor scooters, man. And they were, they competed um, and we led the nation in, in returns. And when I say we, I mean them, right? They did an unbelievable job executing the plan every week. Um, and he was the only punt returner in all of college football with two touchdowns and should have had a third. Um, the last thing I think, is you, this unit is not a talent issue other than the returner, right? You absolutely need that guy to be, he needs to be one of your best football players, but the other 10 need to just be mean guys that'll fight, right? 10 guys that if you walked into a back alley, they're going to make sure you don't get a scratch on you. Um, guys that'll fight for four to eight seconds. Cause this is an extremely long play. Um, and to get into your question about the personnel, I specifically believe it should be a different personnel because I think, you know, what a defensive player is trained to do. They're trained to go tackle, right? They're not trained to block. So to me, a punt return unit should be more offensive players because they're trained to block. So um, I look at it, this could be a unit where running backs, um, tight ends, wide receivers are on there. And then, you know, your guys that are out as your missile controls, absolutely, they can, they can be defensive players. But this is something I think you can really get um, – offensive players involved in in special teams uh especially on the punt return unit sure and i, I suppose a personal question for myself in terms of just flipping that on, on its head i've had the same thoughts about um getting offensive players on fourth down you know get them helping with the blocking scheme a lot of them on the kit return scheme anyway so it's a similar kind of concept i suppose my concern with it is and i think this is down to our limited practice time over in the uk is what the what if situation when 
the punt return unit now runs an offensive play and none of these guys know how to ca- tackle or or, uh, or play defence. I mean, is that really a concern over there at that, at that level or is it just a case of most of the time you know they're going to punt or they'll just bring the offence out anyway for fourth down? Um, I mean, that's always a concern because you look at the things just when I was coaching punt return uh, the last two years, the number one thing is you want to make sure you don't get a play run on you, right? You want to make sure that that all the eligible guys are covered and they can't run a fake. So you need to be structurally sound. But um, and obviously you have to go with the the amount of time that you have to practice. That's this is where I think those often like. At the end of the day you're a football player, right? Whether you're offense or defense, because football at the end of the day, it's three things. It's running, blocking, and tackling. That's what it is, whether you're on offense, defense, special teams. So absolutely, it's, it's a wide receiver. Is he going to know how to make a tackle? Well, I hope so if he's a good football player. So, you know, what if, what if your offense throws an interception? That guy's going to go get the ball, right? He's going to go tackle the guy who intercepted the ball. Same thing, um, you know, if, if someone picks up a fumble, the offensive lineman, he's not just going to let him run by him, right? He's going to try and get him down. So the one thing I would say is even if it's maybe once a week and it's only a short time, have your offensive players go through a tackling circuit and train them how to tackle. Because just like you're saying, you don't want the first time a receiver has to know how to tackle somebody to be in a game, right? And it costs you a, a game in a critical situation. Um, so I think that's, that's a huge opportunity. And the same thing with defensive players. You need to teach them how to block. You can't just say, hey, go block that guy, right? And your techniques for blocking on special teams should be exactly the same as your techniques for blocking on offense. Your techniques for tackling on special teams should be the same as they are for tackling on defense. So I think if you make it all crossover, and all right listen you're not blocking on punt return you're blocking for a ball carrier the same as you would if you were a receiver a tight end a running back an offensive lineman all of those things need to carry over and then now you're not coaching a specific unit you're just coaching hey this is what blocking looks like this is how we're going to line up this is how you execute those things sure and uh just coming to the last couple of questions here a lot of teams now i mean it's coming quite popular even in a college football over there, um, especially with turnovers, but some teams do it with third down stops as well, where they do something quote unquote fun in the sense of they give awards or, you know, they have the championship belt on the sideline, things like that. Is that something you've ever done? And do you think that's something that's quite important in this day and age? Um, I mean, it's, so I've done belts. I've not done belts. Um, I think a lot of it is specific to your football team. Um, and what you think your team needs, you know, if you got guys that, that need, you know, certain teams need that positive reinforcement and pat on the back, um, you know, so maybe use a, a belt or a chain or something like that, um, you know, where that's worked. Um, you know, I don't think one way works better or not, because, I mean, the only thing you see on TV and Twitter is the teams when they have the chains and it works. You know, you don't really see the teams where you, you know, the offense is 10 of 12 on third down. They don't really care about the chain because it didn't help you win because, um, you know, and as, as you get more mature, you look at it and like, hey, we want to have fun. Well, and really, guys, the only thing that's fun in football is winning. You know, so um, you look at it big picture wise is what's the point in celebrating a third down three or four times a game, but you lose the game. Um, 
you know, if I was coordinating defense tomorrow, I probably would not do the extra stuff because you're only as good as your next play. You know, you don't want to get too high with the highs or too lows with the lows. You know, you got to you got to sort of be sort of be cold blooded and, and even keeled. That doesn't mean don't have energy, um, but you also need to be able to, OK, listen, we won the last down. We got to win the next one. Hey, we lost this last third down. We need to win the next one because you're only as good as your next play. Momentum is as powerful as the next play. So you could give up a third and 15 momentum's bad, but the next play you get an interception. You know, so I think it's extremely important to make sure that you're emphasizing the right things because, you know, you should have excitement for your football team, but they also should understand the number one thing is that this football team needs to win. It's always about us. It's never about your individual achievements. Now, guess what? If your individual achievements help us win a football game, we will celebrate those as a team the day after the game. Um, but it's always about the football team. It's never about you. You know, if a defensive quarter makes a great call, guess what? I, I will never make another tackle the rest of my life. It's because those kids out there, right, the men out there that are executing, those are the guys that are making the play. So no one can do it by themselves. So that's why if I had a decision about it, I would probably say no extra stuff. But that doesn't make it right or wrong. That's just my opinion. Absolutely. And just to start wrapping this up, because I know you've got a, a recruiting call coming up. One yes, last sir. question. Um, we talked third down, we talked fourth down to some extent. Now, the better situation than both of those is getting an early turnover and an, on an early down. Yeah. You, at the teams you've been at, do you coach turnovers or do you just let the guys play? And if you do coach turnovers, how do you do that? Um, I mean, I think you have to emphasize those things. You have to absolutely have to make an emphasis because like we said, to sort of start this thing and bring it around full circle is how do you get the ball back? You either take it away or you force them to kick it. Um, you know, so you need to emphasize those things. And again, in practice, right? Because at the end of the day, tackling the football is the priority, right? Because if, you, if you're a great tackling team, you're probably going to be great on third down. Then I think once you're a great tackling team, you sort of emphasize uh, taking the football away. So um, the thing I will say without getting into really specifics is just make sure that in practice, right, in your individual drills, if you're a defensive back, you should always be catching a football, right? If you're a defensive lineman, you should always be able to be stripping a football. If you're a linebacker, right, you probably have to do both, right? You should be dropping into coverage, catch a football, right? Breaking on a breaking on routes. Um, you know, you're wrapping up a tailback and stripping a ball. So the big thing I think for that is make sure that you are emphasizing those things in practice, right? I, I can't emphasize that enough. And if I was, um, you know, if I was going to say one thing to just the whole coaching community that's listening to this is make sure you hear this all the time, right? Hey, what's your favorite drill? Well, my response is always, what's your biggest problem? So guess what? If your team's not great at taking the football away, practice it more. If your team is great at it, but they're not great at tackling, practice that more. You know, I think there's just, um, there's no one right way to do it. It's just the right way for your group of people and for um, your team. So uh, you definitely have to make an emphasis of it. Um, and I think you do that in practice and then you celebrate it. And, you know, but you can win a football game and get no turnovers. You can lose a football game and you take the ball away three times. Which one matters more, right? The win. So I don't think at the end of the day, um, any of this stuff matters if you don't win, right? If you're 
90% win rate on third down on defense, but you don't win, you don't feel as good. So the, the big thing I think to emphasize with, with takeaways and with third down defense is did it help us win the football game? Fantastic. Thanks, Coach. Um, just before we let you go, I always like to give coaches the opportunity to share their social media handles in case any listeners want to get a hold of you. You happy to share your Twitter handle or anything else? Yes, yeah, sir. It's just um, on Twitter is the easiest way. It's at coach underscore Mac nine eight. So it's at coach underscore M-A-C nine eight. And I really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us, Coach. Stay safe and have a great 2020 season. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you again to Coach McMillan for talking to us today. Stay tuned for further information on the BAFCA Convention on the first weekend of July and tune in next time for another BAFCA Coaching Podcast episode.